ship! Prepare ship for ludicrous speed! Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Alex, who was not prepared for that intro today. He got up and left. I just knew that I needed to embrace the insanity of it all. I mean, I'm going to have to get out there and comb the damn desert myself. (laughs) We ain't foul shit. (laughs) Wait, when is when? When is now, sir? Oh, uh, how you doing, Alex? I'm doing pretty good. Coming off of birthday weekend that was qu- quite busy with just a bunch of random stuff we wanted to do, but it was really, it was really nice. A lot of good time with friends and my wife, so it was nice. That's good. Glad to glad to hear I'm a friend and was invited to that that party time. There was no party. There was a D and D party. And you were always welcome. Oh, okay. Welcome. Well, in that case, I'm glad you didn't invite me. I only welcome. I have 14 character sheets prepared for you in case you just want to drop in sometime. Uh, if only I had the time. Maybe someday when I win the lottery or something. Uh, how are things going with you, though? They're going okay. Uh, busy week, busy weekend, but we are we have survived. Joey and I recorded episode 10 of Talking Lasso yesterday, and he was a madman and edited a 63-minute podcast episode in about 40 minutes, he said. I'm like, how did you manage that? But wow. He did, and the episode sounds great. So um, you've got a high standard to, lo- to live up to with this week's episode, Alex. <laughs> All right. Five minutes of editing, and I'll get it loaded in the morning. <laughs> Uh, before we get into this week's promo and our episode discussion, which is going to be quick hits, um, quick hits, I should say, it sounded like I said quick hits, like, no, we're not talking about weird, not baseball things. Um, uh, we, we were, we were bad, uh, we were bad guests, uh, for the last like three weeks because we never promoted some episodes of other podcasts we were on. Uh, Alex, you and I both were on different episodes of Justin Henson's podcast, The Movie Wire. Mm-hmm. I ran all yeah. the way to I ran all the way to Seattle so I could uh, meet up with him and review Ghosted, which I'll talk a little bit about later today. I'm actually surprised you ran there because I just took a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Moneybags over here. I know it was a Greyhound, but I got there a week before you did. <laughs> <laughs> I just carbo loaded, just booked it. That's why I'm looking so lean. <laughs> uh, and I, I was also on an episode of the cult worthy podcast um, where with Slade from the video game club, where we talked a bunch of anime. Uh, we're almost two months past that one. Uh, oh, so wow. if, uh, Antonio, I'm very sorry for forgetting to promote the episode, but I strongly recommend going back and listening to it because as is always the case when I'm on the cult worthy, it's very re-listenable. Uh, so listen mm-hmm. to the episode with the, with uh, Slade and I talking about anime I talked about the 2016 film, your name and a uh, fantastic movie. I can't, I, I hope people watch it. If, uh, if you, I cannot recommend that movie enough and uh, yeah, it's good times. Maybe I'll put the episode or maybe you can put the episode in the uh, episode description there, Alex, since you're taking care of all that this week. 
I'll be sure to think about that. <laughs> it's been thought about. Now, if you want to be really good, which episode number of the Coworthy were you on? Oh, geez. Um, I know he hit 100, so I'm going to say it was probably like 102 or 103. 95. <laughs> 95? No way. I was yeah, not on there right? before he hit 100. The Cult Worthy episode number 95, Cult Worthy Anime. We kick in we kick off animation April with a guest spot by with a guest spot by Josh of Talking Smack and Slate of the Game Club podcast. Number one hundred well, was May fourth. Oh, may the fourth be with you, Antonio. <laughs> I'm flipping through here now, trying to find this. Uh, so episode ninety five, and let's see if I can't do this real quick. Uh, episode thirty nine as well, where Antonio and I talked about a goofy movie. Um, we're also that was a great episode. That was I love that episode. Um, one of the my favorite things I've done with that's not regarding our podcast. Let's hear from J and K over at Fuck My Work Life and get into these quick hits because the whole idea of this we're supposed to be in ludicrous speed this week. So we'll be right back. Working can be such a drag, but it's a necessary evil. What better way to combat the woes of the working world than to commiserate with your fellow man? I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. And we're the hosts of Fuck My Work Life, a comedy podcast where we share people's stories from the workplace. Whether they're funny, weird, scary, or just plain messed up, they're always entertaining and may leave you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Available on all major podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Your sanity may just depend on it. I like how I was like, let's get this done. Let's let's move along fast, fast paced. Then we hear boo, 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 boo. just this nice fuck little my life mellow ditty. Sorry, fuck my work life podcast. <laughs> it's, very, it's very soothing. It's like, fuck my work life sounds like I should be raging kind of thing. It should be, it's the kind of thing that's like, work sucks today. You know what's good? This is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Kay is, at least Kay is listening. Maybe Jay is listening. Hi, Jay and Kay. So maybe maybe they'll take your advice and just start raging and breaking shit while they make their promos. Well, it kind of threw me off. It'd be like, you know, you want to go to like a sweat yoga class and it's like very peaceful <laughs> or something like that. There's like the sweat is your internal chakras being sweated, not your body. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that does sound like a, a, a reverse mortgage background sound. <laughs> Do you want to help make ends meet while also getting ripped off? I'm gonna have to edit this out because it sounds like we're making fun of them. We're not. It's just the calmness of the promo music. I'm sorry, J and K. Nah, leave it in. It's fine. They'll have fun with it. <laughs> so this week we're doing our quick hits segment, which is the episode where we just it's a filler episode where we talk about a bunch of stuff that we would love to review on the podcast. So we're gonna do it in a really quick way. And we're gonna talk about a bunch of them. I'm really tempted to actually just edit in old stuff now. And instead of being a filler episode, it's a clip show. <laughs> More power to you if you think you can do it. I'm just, I have enough of the files. I'll just <laughs> snip 10 minute segments and call it an episode. There you go. Just mid sentence. All of a sudden, some new starts talking about a random part of a previous episode. Or, or it's just 60 minutes of uh, Beppo doing, oh no, SpongeBob took my job. Welcome to T-Smack, home of the T-Smack. <laughs> <laughs> so with with the quick hits, it, it follows our, our our basic rules. Must see, pass, must read in certain situations. And uh, 
mostly I'm going to be talking about TV shows this week. Um, I've got a, one movie that is also a, a side plug for Justin's podcast. But uh, really quickly, I want to just go through a few comics that are really standing out to me. First and foremost, I really could not recommend enough the uh, Ryan Parrott, Dan Mora, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 2 crossover. Um, The first one was amazing. The second one just like took it and went balls to the wall crazy. And it was awesome as well. Uh, The art is fantastic. And uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but there are Dimension X Rangers. Mm-hmm. And there are mighty mutant power rangers. And it just okay. is so cool. And we get the return of the green ranger shredder from the first one, which if you haven't seen even yes. the concept art for that, you need to see it. It's amazing. And there's a tease for a third one, which hopefully Melissa Flores is writing that one because she is killing it right now with mighty Morphin power rangers from boom studios. Uh, I just read issue 108 and that one was just so cool. Um, there's like a Zordon versus Zordon fight that happens in the, a, a time warp plane uh, mm-hmm. within the morphing grid. And it's something I didn't know I wanted and it gave me feels and I loved it. I cannot recommend enough what Melissa Flores is doing with the Power Rangers comic after taking over from Ryan Parrott and Kyle Higgins. Uh, I would also recommend the dead lucky and all the massive verse stuff, radiant black rogue sun, super massive comes out today. The day this episode drops um, super massive 2023 would strongly recommend it. That's their big crossover event that they, uh, they don't do. They say they won't do it every year, but they have now done it back to back years. So um, check it out. Cause I'm sure it's fantastic. The, the massive verse have, has been nothing but hit after hit in my opinion. Uh, and secondly, or lastly, comic book related, um, Joey, if you're listening from so wizard, I apologize, but <laughs> I think you're wrong. Uh, I think the Zeb Wells run with amazing Spider-Man has been a lot of fun and I'm, I'm, it's built around this mystery of like what happened between Peter and Mary Jane. Mary Jane, uh, is now dating this guy named Paul and they have two kids together and it's like, what the hell is happening? What happened that? There are now these kids involved and it's I'm enjoying it. it. There's there's balls to the wall, crazy stuff. I think the last time we did a quick hits or maybe it was a what you doing. Matt was talking about it a little bit where there was a. I forget what the the official name of it is, but basically hell hell comes to Earth and a bunch of inanimate objects become possessed by demons. And there's like a scooter who is like yelling at <laughs> Spider-Man for using him as a weapon. He's like, hey, don't do that to me, man. <laughs> it's it's insane and uh in in the best ways in my opinion the only thing right. i i would say is uh i am not a big fan of john ramita jr's art mm-hmm. i think he does action stuff really well and i think he does uh like the costumed stuff really well but when it comes to drawing people i really hate it everyone just looks the same to me and kids mm-hmm. look really bad he he just he cannot draw kids i'm sorry and this is a story centered around some kids which I feel like they do intentionally at this point. Like, oh, hey, Junior, Junior, you want to you wanna get in on a comic? He's like, yeah, what, what ones have kids in their stories now? <laughs> that, that's my speculation. But he, yeah, if you look at his art, it works for like kick ass and stuff. But overall, I don't think it works. Uh, I, his Captain America run from like 2012, I think, or 2014. 
I hated it. That that art was just gross for it, it fits certain characters. Like I think it would work really well for like Deadpool, mm-hmm. but for Spider-Man, Captain America, I don't like it. That's the only thing I would say bad about this Zeb Wells run right now with Spider-Man. So I have a question for you. I, I'm reading right now a comic book. Um, I love Vampire the Masquerade, the role-playing game. And I'm reading a series by Tim Seeley. Tim Seeley is probably best known for a hack slash. He wrote Nightwing. As, uh, uh, he had a run of Nightwing um, oh. in like 2017, I think. Was it good? It was okay. I don't think it was as good as what we're getting right now with Tom Taylor, but it was fine. It's a 10-issue series called Winter's Teeth. It's basically kind of like... It's a fun introduction into the vampire culture and, and world that is in Ma- Minneapolis. The world of darkness has this weird habit of for their newest edition of vampire to be spreading supplemental material throughout not only different books, but also some PDFs, comic books and stuff like that. It'd be, it's weird. Cause like if this was Dungeons and Dragons, you expect to get rules supplements in their books. This would be like put, them putting like extra bonus spells in their in like graphic novels. <laughs> so I have a question for you about comics. When did they become really confusing? Uh, 1974. Okay. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm reading the comic, you know, and it, you know, reading it, it's, it's, it's the trade paperback. So it's the first five issues. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, okay, here's your main character. Here's this character. And, it, and I'm going through and I'm reading and sometimes it breaks from like one scene to a different location in the middle of the page, but there's no, like, maybe it's because I don't read comics as often as I used to. And then sometimes it trades scenes, like you flip the page and it's in the middle of some action sequence and then some other character and it's like some weird background. I'm like, Oh, when did they join? And it takes me like three panels to realize I'm in a different place in a different story. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and I have to go back and I'm like, okay, that did end mid sentence. Okay. Hey, this is new. <laughs> Some of the characters from panel to panel, because they're, you know, they have the humanoid facade and then they have their vampire facade. It can change drastically. And they're, they're very big on like dark colors. So sometimes I'm not sure if it's the same character or not. Cause mm-hmm. it shifts from like talking, like, you know, talking kind of distant to vampire face up close. And I'm like, okay, blonde hair, blonde hair, black jacket, black. <laughs> okay. Same character. Good. um yeah that that could just be the way they're writing it it could be some kind of experiment where they're breaking out of their their niche and they're just trying to do something different um i haven't been exposed to enough tim seeley stuff to know exactly how he really writes i know his nightwing stuff like i said was fine um Mm -hmm. but uh if you're looking for something more structured which this is uh i'm throwing an extra bone out for antonio because uh we we've screwed him over for two months um i was on another episode of his where he did a potluck where we just kind of brought something to the the episode and we talked about it and uh the the comic velvet from ed brubaker and steve epting uh is just a, a classic 60s noir spy uh genre and it, it's very straightforward but it's fantastic i i think the ending kind of lets it down a little bit but i mean for most comics it's hard to to nail the ending mm. uh, especially for one that's based around a mystery like in in velvet but if you're looking for something to uh kind of just be a, a good structured a well-structured story um you got to find the right writers which i think ed brubaker okay. is definitely one of them noted thank you 
So is that your first quick hit? Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, my first quick hit is you should be watching Quantum Leap. Now, Quantum Leap was a fantastic show in the late 80s, early 90s. It was famously canceled on a cliffhanger. And spoilers alert for a 30-year-old show. But the writers found out about you know that they were canceled. They weren't coming back. And they all they did was put in a title card. And Quantum Leap is about Sam Beckett, who is... Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula, who is leaping through time, writing wrongs so that he can make eventually the leap home. Each episode is you know, mostly self-contained. He has he lands in a new body, has to figure out what is the wrong in this one so he can leap for he can leap again until he wants to get home. It ended with a just a title card thrown in there that says Sam Beckett never got home. Not only that, <laughs> they misspelled his last name in the title <laughs> card. That's how quick of a rush job it was to slap this thing on, find out they were canceled basically the season finale night. So they announced that this thing's coming back. And Scott Bakula was circling it, but then went with another project that didn't get picked up, so he's not in it. But I have this is a continuation that to me is gorgeous. It is it is reverential to the old series. It acknowledges it. They talk about Sam Beckett occasionally. But they're also not beholden to it. These are new characters, these are new storylines. These um, Raymond Lee, who is playing uh, Dr. Ben's song, he's the person who's leaping. There's an overall story arc about why he leaped, because no one was supposed to have leaped, and no one had leaped since Sam did. Um, you have er- Ernie Hudson as Magic Williams, who you find out like midway through the season is actually playing a character who Sam Beckett had leaped into previously. And that is why he went to, forward to find the, find out about this project so that he could be involved with it as it came back. Um, you have Mason Alexander Park, who's fantastic as Ian, um, who is the chief architect who's working on um, the Quantum Leap Intelligence. You have Caitlin um, uh, Bassett, who's Addison, who's Addison, who is Ben's fiance, and she they have this new thing because Ziggy has passed away. They have this new thing. Um, not Ziggy passed away. Ziggy's the, the AI. Um, Al had passed away, who was who helped um, who helped Sam. Uh, she's playing a character called Addison, who is Ben's fiance, but also who is helping him. But they never make her. They do really well to make her not just. Um, I am Ben's fiance, and I'm here to help him. She has her own assistant. She, you know, her own agency. She figures things out. She has her drive. She is the central story character around back at the um, back at the compound that they're working on Quantum Leap. And then you have uh, Narissa Lee, who is the head of security for Quantum Leap, who is just a badass in her own right. And I really dig what they are doing with the show to continue forward, t- telling hopeful stories. Which, when you have something like Quantum Leap, which is was progressive, but also was basically about hope. You're doing good deeds every episode. And that was my thing about, like, a lot of these continuations are very cynical. They are like, you know, they put the characters back where they were at the beginning of, uh, you know, beginning of the last show. They, they, or they kind of ignore the legacy characters, but this show is like, no, we are firmly in Quantum Leap. Sam is somewhere out there. This stuff happened. But it's the same thing where every episode has to have hope. We have to right a wrong. We have to, you know, 
fix this issue. And of course, because the leaps always continue, you get that nice little recap at the end of like, because you did good, this happened and this happened. And it's all happy where you left things off. Then you land in some other horrible circumstance. And so, yes. So I say, give Quantum Leap a shot. It is so fun. Is that uh network or is that streaming? It is a network show. It is streaming. It's on NBC, so it's on Peacock. Okay. Which is a streaming service that I think some people may have heard of. I don't know. <laughs> it's the one streaming service I don't have. It, 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 not not that we're sponsored by Peacock, but we could be. Could be. So for me, um, speaking of ABC, no, you have NBC. Uh, on ABC, there's a, a show that's basically kind of like Quantum Leap meets uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist meets <laughs> The Sixth Sense called Not Dead Yet. Not Dead Yet stars Gina Rodriguez uh, as the the uh, main character who has been uh, she broke off her her long term relationship with her boyfriend. She moved to England for him and something broke them up and she goes back to her newspaper job in. I think it's San Francisco or somewhere on the West Coast. I think I don't think it's New York. She wants to go back to being like the big beat writer she she was like the the person who wrote the big stories and broke the big news but because she up and left without any real notice to follow a guy off to the uk uh she's coming back to a little bit of a a changed environment and she's feeling very left out and the one thing that's really weird about the show not outside of the fact that she sees dead people is Mm -hmm. that there's no like extenuating circumstance it's just she walks into a room and she starts to write someone's obituary because that's the, her new beat is obituaries. The person appears and kind of helps her along in uh, a moment in her life, sort of like what happened in Zoe's extraordinary playlist where she would hear someone's heart song and then she has to help them figure out what's going on. So it's, it's, it's nice. It has some heartstring moments. It's not anything special. I don't think, but it's, it's a nice little background show or like, I'm going to go to bed. I want to feel good going to bed. I'll watch this show that has happy endings almost every week. That sounds, it sounds fun. Yeah. It's it's not, a, it's not a terrible show charming. at all. Yeah. Uh, charming is a great way to put it. I, I don't think it's uh it's fantastic, but if you like hopeful shows or if you like shows that just are, have, they're very sitcom and they don't have high stakes, then yeah, it's a great, it's a, a great little show to, to watch. Like I said, before going to bed, it'll put you in a good headspace and you can have some nice dreams. So, Josh, I don't want to concern you too much, but as you know, Five Nights at Freddy's has finished filming. It has been a long <laughs> development movie, but I didn't know if you knew this. I have an inside track, and I got the stream, the work print of it. Now, as you know, movies do act, are not filmed under their titles, like Deadpool 3 is not going to be filmed as Deadpool 3. It's going to be filmed like under something else. Um, <laughs> Mr. Sunday Movies with his Blue Harvest jokes. Yeah, exactly. Return of the Jedi was filmed under Blue Harvest. I saw Five Nights at Freddy's under its work print title of Willy's Wonderland. And I don't know how the hell they kept it secret that Nick Cage was the star of this movie. (laughs) It has everything you expect from Five Nights at Freddy's. You have a mute protagonist who is driving it forward. The person, Nick Cage, doesn't talk at all. Not a single word, barely a grunt in this performance that he gives, and which is fully encapsulating the fact that, you know, as you play the video games, you are the silent protagonist just kind of looking at the, 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 the security camera screens and all that. 
It has the animatronics. Now, mind you, I'm assuming they're going to dub over the actual names because I know the animatronics aren't named Willie Weasel, Siren Sarah, and stuff like that. They have Fozzie Bear, I think is their names. Um, It's Freddy's. It's not Willie's Wonderland. Um, And instead of five nights, he actually only has to spend one night, which I thought kind of bold, but that leaves room for a quantrilogy or whatever the heck you use five of them <laughs> quintrilogy yeah so what you have here is you have nick cage quintology quintology that sounds like quintology. a religion let's start the quintology together we're gonna have our have to have our our listeners called quintagist or something like that the symbol can be the roman numeral five exactly <laughs> um we watch so... rocky five every service <laughs> <laughs> No one will show up for our religion. <laughs> okay, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> fast five. No, they don't use Roman numerals until now. No, with, but they say they say fast X. They don't say fast yeah. 10, which again, yeah. how how do you not just call it fasten? <laughs> That's right there. Yeah, fasten, and then the final film could be your seatbelts. <laughs> <laughs> so he's driving this hot rod, blows his tires, this little town, no cell service. They don't take credit cards, they only take cash, but they're not connected to the internet, so he, his ATM won't, their ATM won't work. So they say, hey, if you clean up Willy's Wonderland, we'll get your car fixed for you. Consider this like a community service. He goes in there. There's some other crap. Satanists are involved. There's a body switching ritual. It's not a good film. You don't say. <laughs> but here's the thing about it was. It has one of these stupidest death sex scenes I have ever seen. Because for some reason, these people know all the, the, the these teenagers who are going there to burn the place down. Find out Nick Cage is in there. And they're like, well, we got to get him out. We can't. Yeah, burn we can't. Let, we can't burn the place down with Nick Cage inside. He's still got to make the the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> so they break in. Many they know people die in there all the time. They know this is what the town does, which is basically they trick some poor person in, in, into going in there for the night to satiate the animatronics. Otherwise, they get loose and roam the town, which would have been a more interesting movie. So while she's like trying to convince Nick Cage to leave, some of her friends are like. This is so hot. And they go off and they start doing it. And they like keep pausing occasionally. Mind you, there's no nudity. So they're just rubbing up on each other. And they're like, is it just me or that animatronic move? And and then like one of them's like, oh no, that thing's been in the corner this whole time. They keep going at it. I swear it wasn't like five feet away. Oh baby, I'm so close. It's perfectly good. Okay. And and then like they get ripped apart. And I'm like, there's I mean, when you're in the moment, when you're in the moment, you don't care. You could be on the verge of death. I mean, they're stupid. And then there's, I'm, just, I'm like, I went from like wanting them to die for being stupid to then finding them so stupid. I wanted them to live. <laughs> Man, that's, that's the family guy ethos. They're just pushing the envelope to the point where it's funny again. The one thing I will say that I enjoyed in this movie that, that I did find funny is, and they did set up this thing where he's told when he goes in there by like the sheriff who's like, listen, we're going to lock in the building. But, you know, you just you got to work out and you get clean as much as possible. But don't forget to take breaks. And so he puts a timer on his watch and it beeps. He goes and takes a break and he plays this pinball machine that he that he that he cleaned up. 
they're in the middle of a fight scene and the watch goes off he stops fighting one of the animatronics flips a knife to one of the, the teenagers walks out <laughs> <laughs> goes to the break room keeps playing the pinball machine they're getting their asses just beat <laughs> the watch beeps he walks back out rips off the animatronic's head and then just starts cleaning again that's i mean that that sounds like a great thing for like a short film it was 90 it was 92 minutes with with commercials i mean with uh credits it's not no, very just, good. Just give me that one scene in a short film and I would watch that 15, 20 minutes where that happens in there. I think yeah. I would have enjoyed myself, but now I'm just going to watch that, like find it and just watch that moment. It's so bad. Uh, what do you got for your next thing? Speaking of bad things, I watched <laughs> ghosted the uh, Chris Evans on a day Armas action, romantic comedy that I ran to Seattle to talk to Justin about. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to hear more in-depth thoughts on it, uh, check that one out. It's it's fine at the very least. There's a, a really fun sequence of cameos in the middle of the movie. I'm not going to spoil it, but if you go to IMDb, you will see it. Uh, and then there's one big cameo at the end of the movie, which I will spoil because it's stupid. Uh, Ryan Reynolds shows up. He's like, hey, I'm a eunuch now and nothing works. And I'm so sorry for being an asshole before. I don't have a penis anymore, so I'm not an asshole anymore. And it's just so weird and over the top and dumb question is that actually some of his dialogue or no yes like almost verbatim oh oh my god so this wasn't like his random appearances in ted one and ted two where it was just kind of like oh hey that's kind of interesting no he he shows up he's apologizing to anade armis's character for being a jerk when they were dating and he no longer has a penis so he is so sorry for everything he's done which like in in 2002 that probably would have been hilarious in a movie like this in 2023, it's it's not. And I'm pretty sure the only reason he showed up was because he's friends with the writers, um, which uh, the movie had four script writers, two of which worked on the Spider-Man Marvel trilogy and the other two uh, worked on the two Deadpool movies. Um, I'm, oh, I'm forgetting Rhett Reese yeah. and a recent Wernick. Uh, you would think these guys would be able to write a good movie, but it's it's just completely terribly unbalanced and it's really just it's what a modern marvel movie is kind of just with a little bit more violence to it the ending action scene i think could have been really cool because uh they're in like some kind of stand-in for the seattle space needle and the whole top part rotates and they break the motor so it just kind of starts spinning out of control kind of like that uh that carnival ride the graviton graviton gravitron and it, they, they, if they had played with the physics more in that sequence, it would have been really cool. But there's only one moment where Chris Evans like hops into the the uh, portion of the restaurant that they're in that uh, is spinning, where he kind of bounces around, and then he just ends up against the wall like you would on the graviton, and hands a uh, a suitcase over to Anna Darmus's character, and like that's kind of it. But in a better ghosty kind of headline thing, um, which again, if you want to hear more in depth review of ghosted check out uh the movie wire which again sorry justin doing it now not sorry i didn't do it earlier uh ghosts i have been watching ghosts still season two began and uh the getting to the end of the season kind of sucked because it's on cbs so they came back from winter break had two episodes and then march madness happened and then they did like two episodes and then they took another week break and then they did the final three episodes and so we were just 
Ricky and I were just all sorts of like, when is this, when is this releasing? We don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> uh, we have one more episode to watch for this season, but uh, it's, it's a really fun show and it great characters. Thorfinn has grown on me a little bit in uh, the last few episodes that we've watched, but for the most part, he was probably my least favorite character for a long time. Thorfinn is a little interesting, but is a little weird, but they, the further they get into the season, I think they started realizing some of their, uh, the incongruities uh, of his character and started kind of trying to massage those out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, one of the things they did re- in the last few episodes is, uh, uh, Sass, the the Native American that's also in the house, um, calls him out on a lot of the stuff that he's like inconsistent with. Oh yeah, because he he's like, why do you keep calling the car a land ship? I've heard you <laughs> refer to the to the internet. I've yeah. seen you talk about more updated things, and it's been a hundred years since the car has been introduced to the world, and you've seen them for a hundred years. You know it's a car. Yeah, and he's Sass, like, land ship. <laughs> Sass and Hattie are probably my two favorite characters just because Sass is kind of, he, he is a kind of more of a background character, but mm-hmm. when he is there and just quipping and just being a generally annoyed is fantastic. But I love the character development they've done this season with Hattie as that she just, I want that actress in anything because she plays the indignant yet, slightly morally corrupt character perfectly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh the most recent episode we watched i know i talked about this last time we were doing uh i think it was a quick hit so it might have been what you do and the way she transitions into and out of talking about the positive impacts that cocaine has on people where it's like oh uh, I, I forget what the this most recent one was they were talking about like alcohol and she's like oh no you can't alcoholism is a horrible thing you should try cocaine it's not addictive at all there was something that she was saying it was like what you're allowing the children here even i know that you have to pay them like five pennies a day if you're going to make them laborers <laughs> <laughs> But Ghost is, is good times. It's another one of those shows that you can watch like before bed and go to bed happy. And uh, I think the only thing that really bothers me is um, there there isn't a lot of it follows a lot of sitcom stuff like the ghosts seem to be growing. But the main the human characters, the living characters seem to not grow too often. Yeah. Um, Sam, Samantha, the girl, the woman that can see the ghost almost every week or every other week, it feels like they're doing an episode where she is continuing to treat the ghosts like kids where she gets guilt tripped and she does the thing that they ask them to do, even though she knows better or she's being greedy and doing something that again, she knows better and she's been told not to do it by people who are, have sound reasoning and she does it again. And it just, it makes no sense to me that she would keep doing these things. Yeah, the two humans have kind of stagnated in any of the development. Like, um, I mean, yeah, it is only season two, but um, uh, her husband, you know, is still sad that he can't see really see for his friends very much and and stuff like that. And, and it, to me, those are minor quibbles because the show, in my opinion, is about the ghosts, and they got to get sucked off. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> God, I love their, their phrase. So uh, for for anyone who doesn't understand, um, 
the the ghosts it, through their in the hundreds if not thousands of years in some cases uh they have seen other ghosts ascend to heaven or hell and they didn't know what to call it when they ascend they're just they they just started saying they got sucked off is whenever it, it's just a g- general term for going up yeah. or down there's a beam <laughs> of light and they just <laughs> like, hey, yep hey. so, so they, yeah. they they say they got sucked off and it's it's yeah. a great joke that they bring back appropriately at, at well paced times yeah so josh i have a confession to make you can't quit <laughs> i broke down I bought a PlayStation 5 because I told myself when there is a game that I must play, I'm going to buy one. And for, for uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is one of my favorite games of all time. Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel, came out last April, but it was a PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 game. But back in, I think, October, no- November, they said, hey, listen, Burning Shores, the DLC, it's going to be PlayStation 5 only. And I put it off and I debated it. And the day... Well, two days before it came out, the PlayStation arrived on my on my doorstep. <laughs> I installed it day one. I did not play it day one because I knew there was going to be a large patch, and there was. I instead played it day two. And I will say this. I am at the final mission, and somehow I put 25 hours in this thing. Mind you, they said that this game, this DLC, which was like 1999 or 29.99, whatever, was only, only, they assured me, all the reviewers, that there's only about nine or ten, nine or ten, hours of, of gameplay there's only like you know five six main missions a few side missions some things collects but i'm about 20 25 hours into the thing because i refuse to end this game because i love it so damn much <laughs> instead of having uh in the second game kind of laid into it you eventually are able to control a creature that can fly there's hints that this is going to happen because you know you're using aloy's um focus powers and you can see crap way up tall that you can't get to and some other stuff and it's like if i'm wanting to override all these characters all these creatures I should be able to override one of the flying ones. Sure enough, you do. But this one, they introduced something new. It's a flying creature that can fly, but also swim. And I have way too much fun just <laughs> flying around the beautiful the vistas, looking at this gorgeous world that is L.A. that's been on fire. And I will say this, though. This game... You haven't played the sequel, have you? I have not gotten to that. I haven't even finished the first game yet. I... I booted it up, which um, I have something after you're done before I get into my last uh, quick hit. Um, but yeah, I I can't. Every now and then I'll I'll boot it up, but I'll get into a fight with something, and yeah. the combat system is just so against my type, where you have to set traps and you have to be strategic. And I bumped my mic. I'm sorry if you heard that. Um, I just. It's like I said, it's against my type. I, I can't strategize in a way. It's like, I'm going to set a trap here. I'm going to lure him here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this. I got to do fire arrows. I got to do these arrows. And I'm just like, I just want to beat the shit out of the thing. It's a pinata. This game, the, what it does for me personally that I just love is that it invests me in all the, the data points and collectibles. Like most games, yeah, yeah, you have to collect all the damn collectibles and it's annoying. The collectibles are basically telling a story about the fall that happened, you know, which led to the first game, the post-apocalyptic elliptic world you're in. And I don't know how they do it, but every time they tell a more tragic and painful version of like, because they focus so much on one, like the main game is telling the story of the overall, what the heroes or, you know, villains were doing. 
But all these little data pain points are telling the story of individuals who suffer through this or their, their sacrifices, their journey, their hopes and dreams. And on Burning Shores, the way they do one of them is that you're flying. And as you're, you're flying, you're picking up this transmission and it's being descrambled as you play, as you fly through. And you have to hit like, you know, five different points and you get the full story. And I'm sitting there like nearly in tears going, going like, I hope they're going to be okay. They're not. They've been dead for a thousand years. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's a pretty game. It's a painful game. It is. I just, I just, I love it. It's Aloy is such an interesting character. The way that she's developed in the cultures of the world. I, it's my happy place. So I'm glad you brought up Horizon because I bought a PS5 over Christmas break because I found one. So it's like, I, I don't know if I'm going to find one again when Spider-Man 2 comes out and I want I want Spider-Man 2. So I'm just going to get one. And I booted up Horizon Zero Dawn and just the the frame rate difference was jarring. Like, I know a lot of people love uh, like 60 frames per second and higher, but I got to tell you, I hate it. <laughs> it's Scar Wars time because that reminded me of the fact that I watched Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves on Paramount Plus and I have a 4K TV. I don't I don't watch anything in 4K because I hate it. Yeah. I hate high resolution, high frame rate bullshit that makes everything look like a video game and even streaming Paramount plus has Dungeons and Dragons honor among thieves streaming in 4k. And I saw it in theaters and it looked fine. Like the visual effects, they they're like on pirates of the Caribbean curse of the black pearl levels. It's, it's not meant to go like into photorealism, like uh, Lord of the Rings or anything like that. It's meant to be kind of kitschy for all ages and fun. That's great. But watching it in 4K turns it into a Disney Channel original movie. The visual effects are so bad when you have it in that high of frame rate and that high of definition. Yeah. There's a reason I have not bought the Lord of the Rings in 4K. I'm sure it looks like ass in 4K. Yeah. It's a movie that was not meant to be seen in 4K. I just mm -hmm. I don't understand the idea of this like ultra realistic high resolution beyond like animal documentaries. If it's not something that is shot 100% practically, I do not get it. Why do you need this thing to be that high resolution when not the special effects houses can't even create something that looks that good in that definition, unless it's been sitting in production for 15 years, like avatar two, which I don't know, maybe that looks like ass two and 4k 65 95 frames per second i don't know but when with movies like this it just it takes me out of it because even the title card i'm like this looks like it came this is from dragon age origins why does this look so bad watching theaters the graphics were okay there's parts that look fine they were fine didn't. yeah i've watched now top gun maverick two or three times on paramount plus and i didn't notice like an issue with graphics or anything like that so I really do wonder if it's just 
if it's whatever it's whoever's in charge of the transfer like we know that like Cruz and and that guy are probably you know the director were probably very much like this is our film this is the integrity blah blah blah, blah whatever but also that movie also had three and a half you know was sitting on the shelf because it was supposed to be like early 2020 and got held so you know they had like an extra two years to polish everything mm-hmm I, I actually am curious as to watch the Dungeons and Dragons movie on Paramount Plus because I do want to see how bad it is because that is something I've actually noticed with Disney and the Marvel movies is that I'll watch it in theaters, be like, you know, notice maybe one or two spots where I'm like, that's a little off, but then you actually stream it on their service and it's like, did this look this bad? And I wonder if it's just something that they just do a quick scan and go like, well, we're going to put, we're going to use an AI upscale and just push this and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't know, but I know like Tom Cruise is very much very much the worst person in the world. Allegedly. He's also against motion smoothing and all, all that stuff. So I'm wondering if maybe that is part of why they maybe they had a bigger push toward uh the 4K upgrade if they they had any kind of real push on that. But because you brought that up and how I mentioned or you brought up uh, Horizon that that triggered my memory about higher frame rates and like how they make certain things look like ass and mostly in movies, um, video games, it just, it takes some time to get used to with how smooth everything is moving. Uh, but overall movies do not need to be in 4k 60 frames per second. What was that movie? They, they released at like 48 frames per second and everyone hated it. There was the, there was the Hobbit trilogy. Was it the last Hobbit movie? Yeah, they released the last two in uh, super high 3D, high framework st- frame rate stuff. Yeah, don't do it. It's 30 frames per second is fine. And I believe they pulled them all after two or three months, and they've never released them on Blu-ray at that speed. Good. It sucks. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Scar Wars over. Well, Josh, that was a lovely Scar Wars, and I got to say one I agree with. <laughs> Yeah, Slade, I know you're probably going to disagree because you're Slade and you you disagree with like almost everything I say. So um, you can suck Slade. it and you're wrong. Slade. <laughs> Slade. It's the only Teen Titans joke I will ever make. Teen Titans go, I should say. Although the, the moment where they kill Bruce Wayne's parents, I, think, I do think yes. that was pretty funny. What I love about that is so my wife and I went and saw that movie in theaters and we were probably the only single, you know, like a couple without kids. And we're sitting there and they, you know, they make the joke where they, and they, the whole, like the lead up to that joke and then them cheering as it happens, laughs so hard while simultaneously <laughs> hearing like a few parental gaffes and some children go, what? <laughs> so I don't know if you listen to, um, this week's talking lasso. I know you don't watch Ted Lasso because you don't have Apple TV Plus. You should. I don't know what that is. There's a joke this week where uh, a character named Roy Kent gets his uh, original England jersey from when he played in the World Cup. Uh, his last name is Kent, and someone gifts him that jersey, and yeah. uh, he's like, "Oh, I replaced the E with a U, though." And me being. <laughs> Me being the the sweet, innocent child that I am did not understand that joke. I went to bed not understanding that joke. I'm like, what? I, what? What was Phoebe talking about? Because there's a child in that scene that's like, oh, you owe me a dollar because you made me think a bad word. I'm like, what? What does Ungland mean? What is what are you talking about? Ungland? What is what is happening here? And then I went on the Internet like the next day and uh, someone pointed out that it was 
a, a see you next Tuesday joke. And I was like, I'm so stupid. And on that bombshell <laughs> that Josh had to Google a dirty joke. <laughs> I didn't Google it. I just went onto Twitter and someone had tweeted out that it was a great joke. And I'm like, thank you for telling me the point of the joke. Cause I didn't get it or the punchline of the joke. Cause it went <laughs> right over my head. But speaking of things that do not go over my head because I am too quick, my reflexes are too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is my last quick hit. Uh, they're in the final season and it is so good. I cannot recommend this show enough. It's from uh, Sarah Palomino, Amy Sherman Palladino, Sarah Palladino. Who the hell is Sarah Palladino? She's not paying us to talk about her. Neither is Amy <laughs> Sherman, but she could be. They could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it stars Rachel Brosnahan as Miriam Maisel, Midge Maisel, who's an aspiring female comic in the 1960s. Alex Borstein, who most everyone should know as Lois uh, Griffin from Family Guy, as well as Mad TV, Miss Swan. Just an amazing cast, including Tony Shalhoub. It's it's a great show with amazing writing. The only show I think I've been watching recently with better writing and dialogue is Shrinking, which again on Apple TV Plus. But you should look up like clips of that show. Harrison Ford has some amazing lines in Shrinking. Um, <laughs> there's a, I'm going off on a tangent on a completely different thing, but like, there's a, a line where, uh, Harrison Ford's character starts saying that, uh, someone raw dogged him where <laughs> he's just, he's just talking about how like, oh, you, you did a dirty to me. Like you, you lied to me. You, you made me look like an idiot in front of people. You raw dogged me. And in the final episode of the season, he keeps, you raw dogged me at the coffee shop. And now you're going to raw dog me in my office. And the person goes, stop saying raw dog. Do you know what that means? He's like, I'll say whatever the fuck I want to say. I'm, I'm Don't raw dog me in my office. And finally, Jason Siegel's character is like, it means to have sex without a condom. He's like, I will stop saying raw dog. <laughs> it's so good. It's from Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein. Um, they're teaming up from Ted Lasso and like, I, I really enjoyed shrinking. I think it's a, it's a really fantastic show. The character Gabby, I think is probably my favorite character in that show. And she has some great dialogue, um, but it's probably some of the best dialogue I've ever heard in a, a sitcom. Uh, hmm. So I would strongly recommend it. It's kind of like uh, what if Cougar town had a moral compass? Interesting. But back to Mrs. Maisel, um, fantastic writing. Rachel Brosnahan is fantastic. She's apparently also in the running to be Lois Lane in Superman legacy. Um, this most recent season is dealing with some time jumps into the future to kind of tell us a story beyond what the show is giving us, uh, to let us know like what happens with these characters after the show ends. And I really dig it. Um, it's, it's really great. And, uh, Amy Sherman Palomino, Paladino, Paladino. I, I, I love her dialogue in Gilmore girls. I think the Gilmore girls characters, almost all of them other than, uh, uh, Luke, Luke, <laughs> Jesus, Luke Danes, um, he uh, he's the only like redeemable character in that entire show, in my opinion, uh, other than Richard Gilmore, Lorelai's dad. But every character in Mrs. Maisel has just like an amazing heart. They have their flaws, which I think is what Amy Sherman Palomino, Paladino does really well. And I'm really sorry I'm screwing these names up. We're getting close to the hour mark and I'm trying to rush myself. But every character has an amazing arc within the show or they're just really funny side characters and uh if you it's on amazon prime strongly recommend it they're i think they're like two weeks away from the finale 
So start on season one and enjoy the journey because you'll you'll be able to watch the whole thing in one go if you want to. Solid recommendation. All right, Alex, do you have any more quick hits? Nope. Close out the show. That's your punishment. <gasps> How dare you make me close out the show when I am prepared? As <laughs> you How know dare who... you be prepared? I was trying to unprepared, catch you off guard. Did you know who is doing our music this week? Leo Allen. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you do any of that and we hit the music, please make sure you follow us on Twitter at Talking Smack Pod. Join our Discord. We're also on Instagram, Hive, Post News, Facebook. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel that we don't use very often, but it happens every now and then. Uh, again, join our Discord. Please email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com if you have any recommendations or you want to hear us talk about something. We have our 100th episode coming up very quickly. We're going to do Talking Smackdowns, Volume 4, and we are looking for more suggestions. If you have a suggestion for Talking Smackdown, please let us know. Thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes and to Beppo for our original avatars. Thank you to Retro Ale Studios for our musical themes. No, sorry, Retro Ale Studios for our Ricky avatar. Der. Uh, please like, subscribe, rate, review the podcast on your podcatcher of choice. And thank you most of all for listening, everyone. Alex, you already said Leo's taking care of the music, so thank you so much for being here. <laughs> and everyone, thanks for listening. Take care. I mean, I guess they can watch Star Trek if they really want. <laughs> they surely could. Uh, I am actually planning on starting to watch Strange New Worlds soonish because uh, there's there's an episode where they cross over with uh, Lower Decks, so I have to know what's going on. Very nice. from a hangover that's gonna sound just right let's pull it right back down again let's try a little faster see if that <laughs> up a little bit let's get up on 718 <laughs>